everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. We're your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're here to make it easier to talk about and learn about all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. So let's talk money, honey. On to this week's show. Hello, hello. We are so excited today to have Hillary Hendershot, the founder of Hendershot Wealth Management, a leading financial advisory and wealth coaching firm for women. Hillary's mission is to motivate women and their loved ones to be financially empowered and to thrive. We love that word. So let's welcome Hillary to the show. Hi, Hillary. Hello, ladies. Thanks for that. I'm excited yes. to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and sharing all of your, I know there's going to be some amazing, great um, nuggets of wisdom today. So let's look, talk them in, man. Get out your notebook. Right. Yes. For sure. I have, yes, I'm, I'm ready. I've got my pen ready. I'm ready to go. Uh, let's dive into, um, why don't you give us a little of your background, like uh, as far back as growing up, what your relationship, you know, your family relationship with money is, and then how you founded your own wealth management company. That's quite the journey, I'm guessing. <laughs> sure is. So um, if you don't mind, just like any good story, I'm going to start in the middle and yes. I'll end up backtracking and then taking yes. you to, to present moment. So I was I started being mentored into the financial planning industry by my father in my early 20s, okay? So I was taking the certified financial planner courses and I was advising multimillionaires on their investment portfolios during the day. I definitely have a head for numbers. You know, I, I got an A in calculus. I used to tutor the math portion of the SAT. So I was like good with that part of the work, but I found myself about maybe eight to 10 years into my career, you know, like I said, advising multimillionaires during the day and coming home at night to a stack of bills that I wouldn't open because I couldn't pay them. Yeah. I was a massive overspender. I was earning six figures and spending six and a half. And, you know, my experience was that money burned a hole in my pocket and that there was never enough money to do all the things that I wanted to do. And so there came a moment when I had actually maxed out my credit cards and um, emptied my bank accounts. I was literally at the end of the financial line and I knew that I had to repair my relationship to wealth. And so, you know, I had mentioned, I do have math skills. And so I sort of took stock. I said, okay, Hillary, what the heck did you do here? You have $600,000 in real estate, auto and credit card debt. You have a 450 FICO score, yet you want wealth. You want to be wealthy. So you have good intentions, but really bad results. So what is the difference between you and the people you see around you who are financially successful? I said, well, it's obviously behavior. And where does behavior come from? It has to be psychology. It has to be something in my brain that's like, miswired. And so I really just said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to have this be my life. I'm not going to have financial emergencies and debt and shame my whole life. And by the way, I'm kind of talking about it like it just happened, but my, it was a very emotional time for me. I mean, I was, I really thought I am a piece of crap, right? Like my parents paid for me to go to private private college. I graduated magna cum laude with a degree in economics and look what I did with it. Right. So I said, okay, I'm going to figure this out. 
and I read everything I could get my hands on about the psychology of money, neuropsychology. And, you know, there's a lot that people already know about uh, our relationship to conceptual things in life. Uh, like time, you know, you might have the experience that time is expansive, but a lot of people have the experience that time is really scarce and money is the same way. What I saw was when I was, and this, here's the childhood story that you were asking for when mm -hmm. I was, you know, eight, nine years old, my mom was an average earner and a really great saver, but I didn't know that she just was always on a budget. Okay. And she would only give me five bucks to go to my friend's birthday parties. And I was ashamed of the gifts that I was bringing that I could only spend $5 on. I mean, this was in the eighties. So, you know, we're talking about, there's a little bit of inflation between then and now, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. And I, I was also just another example. I was on the high school basketball team. I'm actually five foot 10. So I was the center on the high school basketball team and I wanted Nikes. Everybody had Nikes. And I had to wear Payless shoe source, shoe, high tops, okay? Do you remember the pro wings? Maybe, maybe you two are too young. I don't know. Oh, um, no, I do. And, oh, I called them Likeys. And I was like, no, I want Nikes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so, you know, I decided, oh, there's never enough money for the things that I want in life. And boom, like that became my truth about money. That became my, what I now call your money operating system. And by the way, uh, there's never enough money is a very common money operating system. There are lots of other ones, but I think anecdotally from my experience, having been doing this for many years now, that's probably the most common one. Uh, and then also, you know, my parents split up. And so there was the child custody and the, the, the child support, right? And my dad, and I'm of course shortening and summarizing, but this was my experience as a child. My dad yeah. didn't want to pay my mom because he said, I don't want her to have that kind of power over me. And I said, oh, I got it. Money is power. Okay. So you put these two together. There's never enough money and money is power. And I what I found myself spending money hand over fist, trying to convince people I wasn't even sure that I liked that I was already successful. <laughs> right. So you would have loved to go out to dinner with me. I would buy the drinks. I would pick up the tab, right? I would take you on vacation. That was my shtick. That was my thing. It was like, uh, I'll pay hoping that you would like me, right? Really all the time trying to hide the fact that I had no money in my bank account. So I was able to really unravel those behaviors. And along the way, I looked back and I said, okay, I'm producing results here. And I bet if I figure this out, if I create a simple framework and learn how to teach it, then I can make a huge difference for people. And I just found that I love making a difference for women. So I tend to work with women, but so that essentially brings us to today. And, you know, I found that as I unraveled my relationship to money, my business success just like took off like a rocket ship. I mean, and it's amazing how these things happen because there's so many entrepreneurs limit money in their life with their thoughts. It's, and it's, I'm not a woo woo person. <laughs> this is but real. A little woo is great. <laughs> I'm an economist. I'm pretty evidence-based, but right. I really literally have the experience of altering my mind and having the world alter in reality as a, as a result. It's like, and it happens with my coaching clients as well. So anyway, mm -hmm. I think that's the, the medium length version and I'll let you take it from there. <laughs>
Well, we love that because no matter who we've had on the show, whether it's um, a tax advisor or a life coach, mindset has come up in every Mm -hmm. episode. And so here it is again, and you have just illustrated it beautifully and how important it is. And if you can't, if you don't have that abundant mindset, mindset or thriving mindset, um, then you're, you're starting from a negative place to be in with. You've got to get that positive, uh, positive feelings toward money. If you want to attract more of it, (laughs) you do. You do. And, and I love how simply you put it about the whole money operating system of, of there's never enough money and money is power because those are two very powerful, strong statements. And if that's, what's guiding you, then it's going to make it pretty hard to, to attract any wealth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and you see the insidious nature of that. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, literally when money would come into my bank account, there was nothing for me to do, but spend it. I couldn't wait to spend it, you know? And I, I don't know, somehow with all that math skill, I never figured out that you can't have credit card balances that you don't pay off and that you shouldn't borrow money for real estate that, that probably isn't justified by the value of the real estate. I mean, it right. was like, it's just crazy behavior. And I think society looks at people who do what I did, like they're irresponsible or short-sighted or even maybe stupid, like not smart. Right. Right. But I don't think that at all. It would, yeah. If you are at the affect of your money operating system, I don't think you have any real choice in the matter. You're just yeah. like, you're like driven by your brain. So what were some of the things, the first things that you said, okay, this is what I'm going to do to turn this thing around. What were some of those first things? So first of all, I, you know, and I had kind of alluded to how bad things got, I I let things get a lot worse than you, your listeners need to, but (laughs) so I was in a position where, because the role I was in was commission only at that time. Uh, and my income had gone to basically zero, that my bills were so high, I had to choose between living my life and paying the debt. So I just decided whatever I've been doing up to now, I'm going to do the exact opposite. So I was hiding my debt and all my problems, my money problems. And I just got super transparent. I told everybody, my parents, my family, my friends, you know, if you called me up and say, we're going out for cocktails on Friday, I would say, you know what, in a couple of years, maybe I'll get you. But if I'm coming, you're paying or I'm drinking water because I'm just, I don't have any money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just super transparent. And it was painful in the beginning. It was, I was super embarrassed to do that. Um, I also ended up renting out my condo for a short time. Uh, eventually I did stop making payments because they wouldn't refinance my mortgage. I had one of those mortgages that would go up every month. It was nuts. And so I moved my tenant out after about, I think nine months and they, they did foreclose on my, I did, I I think it was like a deed in lieu of foreclosure with the actual technical term. I stopped paying on the credit card debt for a while. And I took my lease BMW and I drove it back to the credit union and I handed them the keys. And I said, this is not mine anymore. I'm not paying you for this. It's yours. (laughs) And you know, that was all I knew how to do. And so the credit cards, you know, they're super smart and they give you exactly the amount of time you need to go ahead and go get more income. So it took me a while to reorganize my finances. My income was up and then they called me. They're like, hey, we're still here. And so that's when I had the opportunity to negotiate that credit card down. I'm sure you've heard of people who negotiate credit cards. Mm -hmm. So I I paid all that off with integrity within the, the agreements that we made. 
So then the credit card debt was gone. And that's when I started focusing on rebuilding the retirement accounts. And, you know, it was, it was super slow at first. I tell you for two years, I didn't buy a cup of coffee. I didn't go to a coffee shop because I said, look, I can either get free coffee or I don't, this is just something I can cut out. And over time, you know, this amount is going to make a difference. You know, now I have an espresso machine downstairs. So things are like a little different, but you know, I really did no joke, tighten my belt for a long time. And that, so I just focused on growing the income because that's the ceiling. You, mm-hmm. You've got to bring more money in. Um, and my efforts sort of compounded and compounded and compounded. And, and pretty soon I kind of looked at the numbers. It was like, Oh, well, I actually, I, I mean, actually I could stop working. Like I'm financially independent. So I've, I've fixed the problem and built up enough savings that I, I just now work because i I want to. So, you know, I've, I've earned my stripes as it goes, no matter where you are financially, I promise you I've been there. (laughs) And that gives you such a great perspective because you're not somebody who's like never had issues. You get it. You get how anybody can have these problems and these issues, whether you are earning a huge salary or whether you're struggling and you're just trying to make it on a smaller salary, Mm -hmm. you've got some tools that you can help people with. And you do have some programs that you, um, that you help people buy. So tell us a little bit about some of your wealth coaching programs. So, so part of my business is a traditional high net worth financial planning program. We also have a program for investors who are just getting started called Ignite Investing. And that allows people who would never be able to afford fiduciary financial advice to get access to that. And that program is on a wait list, but I'm proud to say we are able to take people off the wait list occasionally. So there's that bit, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, We also offer a very unique coaching program where I do exactly what I sort of alluded to a few minutes ago, which is I teach exactly what I did to get out of my financial morass. Mm -hmm. Uh, I created a seven step, you could call it seven steps to wealth, but a seven step money blueprint. And, you know, I invite you to consider that most of the time, all we do is talk about how to make more money, especially as business owners, but that's just one of the seven steps to wealth, Mm -hmm. that if you don't have all seven skill sets and practices working in your life on a daily basis, something's going to go wrong and you're going to move backwards or lose everything you've built. And we all know someone who's built up a million bucks and lost it all. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's because they didn't have the seven steps to wealth working in their life. So in our, my coaching program, I literally just lead people through the seven steps. Um, and by the end, I mean, that's where the folks are right now in my program, as we're recording this, they're in the, this, the step where they're starting to see their results compound exponentially, you know, and it's really fun. It's really fun. Can you share a couple of the other steps? Um, I'm happy to. I'm happy to. So, um, so the first, the first thing you've got to do, if you really, really want to take on this aspect of your life is decide. And this involves your mindset. It involves your speaking. It involves uh, how you see your future. So if you look at your, the area of your life called money, have you really decided no matter what, no matter what your ifs, ands, or buts are to be successful in that aspect of your life. And I say, if you aren't experiencing new or better results that you haven't actually decided to, but we all know it doesn't take formal education. It doesn't take math smarts. It doesn't take 
you know, some engineering skill set, anyone can have financial success. And we, there's examples of people coming from all walks of life that have, uh, that have achieved that, right? So decide to be rich. The second step is speak. I, I try to make them just one word, but this involves all your scripts about money. I mean, one of the things I have people do in my program is take, do a money journal, write down all the things you say and think, say to yourself and to other people about money. You will be shocked. I had someone in my coaching program just this time around and he she said, I don't know, Hillary, I don't say anything about money. I can't figure it out. I don't know what, I, I don't know what to write in my money journal. And then someone showed him a video of business owners who were celebrating their success, their financial freedom. And he said, Hillary, I got it. I'm watching this video. And I realize how I think those people are so far away from me. There's no, I'm not coming close to them. What they have is just beyond what I'm even capable of producing. And I said, exactly. And that's why you spend all your money, right? That's exactly why. Cause you're just manifesting that essentially story or narrative about yeah. money that you made up. Okay. So that's speak. The third step is plan. Most people don't have a plan for their money. Most people never get this far when it comes to money. I meet people who spend all weekend on a budget, Saturday, Sunday, they got their bills out on the kitchen table and they make a big budget and they come to me so proud. Here's my budget, Hillary. And they never do a thing about it. They never, ever, ever act in accordance with that budget. That's why I throw out budgets. I hate budgets. They're so horrible to live by. Instead, I use a multiple account system so that your money is organized and you know exactly how much money you can spend today at the cash register on that sweater or on your hair mm -hmm. or on that coffee or that dinner and still be in alignment with your financial goals. So you actually literally pay yourself first and fund your savings goals first. Mm -hmm. So we get that all organized for people. Um, and then you have to earn, obviously you have to, we pay attention to raising the ceiling and then ask is part of that. So ask is all about making bigger requests. We have a no challenge in the wealth coaching program. And you can take this on if you're listening. In fact, this will change your life if you do it. Most people don't do it. But if you actually do it, I invite you to make so many big requests that you actually your goal is to get 100 no's. And I promise you, if you actually get to a hundred no's, you'll get so many yeses that you'll have an absolutely different life by the time you get there. It, it will blow you away because people don't ask. They're afraid to ask. Yeah. I, wow. I can't even get okay. I love that idea. Starbucks. I know. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So two more really quick. And they're, they're kind of, well, they're not boring, but they're the things that compound and then protect your wealth. And that's just invest and protect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, especially as women, you should know that there are evidence-based ways to grow your wealth in compound with compound interest. You don't have to guess. You don't have to take risks that mean you could lose everything. And then of course, once you get there, you have to protect it. And that means various kinds of insurance, but also, you know, protecting your identity and not taking risks you can't afford and things like that. So there you go. Seven steps to wealth. I love it. Thank you for sharing all of those. I was just hoping for a few. So wow, wow. we got the seven step jackpot. <laughs> uh, we got a little mini course right here. I love it. Your favorite. 
Um, I love I mean, the no challenge. That was incredible. <laughs> I mean, and it's so true. There's so many times where I'm like, if I just sent that email, like the worst they can say is no, but they, you know, like, oh, it just, it's, it, it makes me so frustrated because I know I'm stopping myself from it, but it goes back to the mindset. I love that one too. Yeah. I love that one too, because I'm a big believer in asking. I mean, I'm always the one and I'm like, you know, my friends, I'm like, let's go see if we can get a better seat. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, all they can do is say no. And I've gotten so many better seats at concerts, on airplanes, everywhere. You. Mm-hmm. If you video yourself asking, I'll, I'll air it for you. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I'll, all I'll, right. I'll you around. Like, look at her. <laughs> Just last week, I was uh, going on a flight with a friend and I was like, I'm going to go see if we can get better seats. And she's like, okay. Yeah. Got better seats. <laughs> she was like, Oh, this is great. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everyone's everyone loves it when you're the one who asks and gets the, mm-hmm. gets the yes. Yeah. Right? She's like I'm riding on your coattails. I no, know. I'm usually I, the friend that just tags along, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, it's definitely one of those things where, um, I I've always done it with my kids growing up and they've gotten to see that. And so I think that the more of those of us who are brave enough to do it and let's mm-hmm. challenge, we're, we're definitely going to do a challenge out of this for, for, for the show from the podcast, for sure. There will you know, be a challenge. Kudos, kudos to you for teaching your kids that role yeah. modeling that. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's definitely fun to see it. Or I love it whenever they tell me about something that they've done. I mean, the first time that my daughter told me that she, which this one she wasn't necessarily asked, she just kind of acted on it. She just, she was at a Bruce Springsteen concert, which I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And she was like, mom, we got down on the floor. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> good for you, girl. <laughs> It's not hard to ask. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Yes. Well, and I think it's even more powerful as women, you know, knowing to ask that. And like you said, like teaching your kids and your daughter that, because I mean, I think growing up, like women are taught to not be a burden and to not, you know, negotiate a salary, you know, or just things like that. So, I mean, it's a very powerful um, challenge that I I need to do for sure. (laughs) I mean, and this is something I say, the people often it's like no one's going to handle your financial life except you like yeah. I mean some of us will inherit money or like for some of us like maybe two percent of people someone else will actually fix your financial life but for 98 percent of us it's your job yeah <laughs> it's like nobody cares more about your money than you so you can be self-interested it's okay to fill your cup yeah. <laughs> exactly and why wouldn't you I mean it's let's talk about, um, the word wealth because the name of your, you know, that was just, you gave us the seven steps to wealth. And so many people have a problem with that word. And I love it because we all deserve wealth Mm -hmm. and we're all worthy of wealth. That's really important core belief of mine. And there's so many people who, oh, they, they, oh, I just need enough. And it's like, you would never want just enough air or just enough water. So why do you want just enough money? It's a resource. And so why do you not want wealth? It's not a bad word, right? It makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. You know, you ask a hundred women, what would you do if you won the lottery? And 99 of them will start telling you uh, the people and charities they would give it away to. And it's like, um, which is great. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. But honey, keep it for yourself. I, I actually was going to write a book called keep it for yourself. <laughs> I you it. should. That's amazing. Please do. <laughs> we'll well have you back on to promote it. <laughs> In one year is your deadline. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, we have this idea that money is a zero sum game, that the, it's a scarce resource on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I promise you, our brains cannot even conceive of how much money is out there. And in case you haven't noticed, like, I mean, you read the media, the governments aren't stopping printing money anytime soon. There's more and more and more money all the time. I promise you, you can have enough to be legitimately rich and everyone else can too. Right? right. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to, and in fact, I would say it's incumbent upon you to, to be, to take on being financially independent. Reason being is we're one of the first few generations who really had to do that. When they passed the social, when they enacted social security, I think it was in 1965, the social security claiming age was 62. The average American lifespan was 65 years. So social security was supposed to carry you through those last three years. Well, now we're living to 85, 90, 95, right? So who's yeah. going to pay for those 30 years, right? Yeah. And right. people will say, oh, I'm a knowledge worker. I love what I do. I'll keep working. And it's like, okay, guess what? Except I work with 60, 70 and 80 year olds. Like that's my bread and butter. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. None of them are work. I don't have anyone who's over 70 who's working. Wow. Right. Yeah. Like at some point you get tired, your health yeah. fails, or you're just like, I'm done, you yeah. know? And so you need a stash of money to take care of you when that happens. Well, and, um, you, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you were talking about that. And I love that. And you bring up the whole, let's talk. We need a million dollars here to be making money for you. So share a little bit about, first of all, you're, you're the host of the Profit Boss Radio. So tell us a little bit about the radio and about that, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, you know, I found when I launched the podcast that I had so many things that I wanted to say to women about money, it became a form of self-expression. It's like, anytime something comes up in the media or something comes up in current events, I just grab the microphone and talk. But you know, we do a couple kinds of episodes. I interview, obviously interview authors and experts and speakers. I do solo episodes. So I talk about the money mindset stuff, but I also talk about evidence-based investing. I talk about the stock market. I talk about, I mean, we talk about estate planning. I mean, I know that's not sexy, but it's important. And you'll be, many of you will regret it deeply if you don't do it. <laughs> Um, and I also do little, little money lessons in the middle of the, of the episode. So we, I try to sort of hit you on all sides, keep, keep people both in the right mindset and motivated, but also doing the right things. And I just want people to know that there's a lot of evidence and history about how to do things right with money. Like money has some rules and there, there are places where you should go up, go, go, you know, be your, be an artist, be, do whatever you want to do, make up the rules, but there are places where you really shouldn't, right? <laughs> like nutrition. Okay. There's a lot of different like ideas, but we all know fruits and vegetables are the basics, right? <laughs> no one's really, no one's really going to make the claim that you should only eat like, I don't know, eggs. Mm -hmm. No, you need fruits and vegetables. So there's things that you need to be doing with your money. And so I keep reminding people of that. Um, so if you have room in your podcast lineup and you want to check out Profit Boss Radio, that's great. What's the other question you asked me? When in the episode that I listened to, you talked about how if, when you when you look to retirement, 
you need to have a million dollars. It's, you know, a chunk of money and you need to get comfortable with saving towards that um, and figure out how long it's going to take to save towards that so that you can earn, you know, income from that money. Honestly, you could be a financial advisor. You just did that so well. I don't think I even need to restate it. Um, my, uh, the thing I do want to do for people is normalize that seven figure mark. I mean, just to be honest with you, a million dollars over 30 years only pays you $50,000 a year, mm-hmm. right? You can't draw much more from a million dollar nest egg and expect it to stay intact or outlive you. Like, I mean, just as an example, I had a meeting with clients yesterday and, you know, they're in Silicon Valley. And so life here is expensive, but they've got $3 million. And I have to tell them, like, you're not really on track. I need you to save more, you know? And so they're wealthy. I mean, it's nuts, but like life is expensive. And and Mm -hmm. that said, I've definitely met people who can make it work on a million dollars, but I mean, there are not many people alive right now who aren't yet retired, who can afford to do it with less than a million. So this whole idea that being a millionaire is special and sacred, I, I think we should sort of burst that bubble. <laughs> Go higher, dream higher and dream higher. not expect to just, I mean, I think there's still a lot of people who think, oh, well, I'll have social security. That is not going to be enough for most people. <laughs> No, 30, 36, 30, my, my top earning clients are claiming about $36,000 a year in social security. So if you can live on $36,000 a year, Hey, you know, I mean, kudos to you, but it's a, it's definitely a restricted financial life. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm, That's, that's kind of (laughs) scary as someone who's a little bit older than my co-host, quite a bit older. It's good that we've got both generations here to kind of uh, talk about that. So what's like your biggest advice for somebody that's younger um, to what, what's like something they can do that can really prepare them for their future? Um, I would say uh, set your sights high. I would say if you can be an entrepreneur, that's great. Uh, th- so what you need to know is that people who are wealthy in this country, in the U.S., it's about 30-30-30 split how they got their money. A third of them inherited it. A third of them earned it as business owners or you know, made it either by paying themselves a lot when they owned their company or by selling their company and then taking that, that exit. Um, or they're corporate employees who get a lot of RSUs or other stock options or just have high compensation, or they just start saving when they're 20. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you started saving when you're 20, more power to you. You're, you're definitely an anomaly. You're like not, you're not common. <laughs> and I, so I think, you know, starting to save early is the obvious way to, to get those compound returns working for you. Most of the people that I meet didn't start saving when they were 20, right? People come to me when they're kind of in a, for the coaching course anyway, when they're kind of financially messy. So I never really say start early, start early, start early, because it just makes people feel bad. And the truth is I completely messed up money until my mid thirties. And then I was able to resurrect that and have a happy outcome. Anyway, I just didn't follow that traditional, that sort of consistent upward plan. Mm -hmm. But if get, get your money mindset right, get your relationship with money right, understand and move past sort of your money wounds. You have childhood yeah. money wounds. <laughs> um, and that way you can set yourself up for success. 
I love it. I love that. Yeah. That's what I'm currently working on right now is my money mindset. <laughs> Teach right. is like abundance all day long. And I'm like, oh no, like <laughs> scarcity all day. So oh, I, you're a perfect pair. I know. I know. But she started saving, but luckily her parents uh, set yeah. her up as far as like, it's to start become a game them. like to save, yeah. but it's, which is good, but it's like, I still have this like idea in my head, like, oh my gosh, like I don't have enough like bookings this year. Like I need, and it just, it's a constant, like, like search for jobs, if that makes sense, like a search for money. And I don't know it, there's a lot I need to work on. And eventually like, I'd love to become a financial therapist because I like to come out of it, you know, but yeah, there's, most therapists, by the way, shouldn't be handling people in money. Most therapists are screwed up with money as, yeah. as, as everybody. So if you become a th- financial therapist, more power to you. So what we would do with you in my course, just free coaching a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you say, oh, I don't have enough bookings. Well, we would actually figure out how many bookings do you need at mm-hmm. what price to achieve this rate? And then we would figure out exactly how many actions you need to take to get a booking and we would have you take those actions first in your calendar before you set other appointments. <laughs> I love that. That's see, that's the accountability I need. It's so hard as like a small business owner when it's just you, you know, and you're your boss, you're everything. And I mean, I don't know. I'm like, oh, that email, you know, I could send to get more bookings. Didn't send it. <laughs> like it's yeah. <laughs> so I maybe I need to hire a coach. <laughs> well, you, you know what? I maybe just an accountability partner in the beginning. Yeah. Find another business owner who's like you, and that way it's free. There you go. There you go. There you go. I have an accountability, and he holds my feet to the fire. And man, I hold his feet to the fire too. We are not nice. Yeah, (laughs) that's what accountability is. Yes, definitely. We might not be the best partners, her and I. Yeah, we're too nice. Nice to each other. (laughs) We're like, oh, okay, tomorrow. That's fine. No worries. It's okay. Yeah. 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 No, even some sometimes even with the with our with our show you know we'll be like we oh well let's let's just do it next Monday (laughs) I mean there are many times in life that's a hundred percent appropriate and I certainly am not here to comment on your business relationship with I'm which I'm sure is great but if you're gonna have an accountability partner you got to create a space to be like "Mm, no you said you would do that and you copped out yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to have to work on being tougher. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> it's all part of the, the growth. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's why we have guests like you on to push us and to tell yes. us where we need to go and what I we crack need to the do. whip. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that whip cracked. Um, well, I just uh, am so impressed by everything that you've done. And I'm curious to know what you feel like the like the biggest quickest turnaround for you was because you did make such a big turnaround as far as definitely um, finding what pushed you into getting your company going and mm-hmm. your, this whole teaching others and was it just because you saw the dramatic um, change that it did for you that you were like, okay, I've got to, I'm, I'm doing my own thing and I'm going to do this for other people. What was, cause that's a scary thing. You were with your dad's company. And so for you to go out on your own, what made it 
made you say, okay, I can do this? Was it because you got yourself out of, did you get yourself out first or was that all kind of in there together? Well, that was like 16 questions. <laughs> I have a tendency to do that sometimes. So, so I think whichever I one like you want to go with. <laughs> I think, are you trying to isolate for your listeners? You want me to isolate for your listeners? Like what is that inspiration spark that That'd be great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. It seems like I didn't get it a hundred percent, but you can, you can just keep asking. That's perfect. Um, so, you know, the, the truth is it's actually kind of sad. I didn't do it for me. Um, I was in my father's firm and my dad and I, and I love him and we're great pals now. And we're also like two big dogs in a room. Like we're both alphas. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we were fighting, fighting, fighting. And at the same time, I wanted to go out on my own, but I was scared and I was very much in love with my husband now. And I was complaining to him basically all the time. And we, I came home one night and he said, you know, you're so unhappy there that it's actually impacting our relationship. And it was like, that was the boundary I was, I was not willing to cross. I was willing to suffer. It seems like infinitely if it was me and I'm not proud of that. And I wish I wasn't that way. But when he said that, I said, Oh, I have to go. It was like, there was no other option. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I did, I had the hardest conversation professional conversation I've ever had in my life. I told my dad I was leaving not only that, but I took my clients with me. Okay. And we worked that out with integrity, like between you and me, there's compensation going that way. So I didn't just take them, Yeah. Um, right. but, and between you and me and all your listeners, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's another example of manifesting. Yeah. I have plenty of money, right? If you, mm -hmm. if you pay for your book of business or you're willing to comp, you know, you're, it's like, Oh, I have an, so much that I can give you some of it. It's like a yeah. massive mindset shift. Right. And then from there, it was just like, I was sprinting uphill. So I wanted to get from insufficiency to sufficiency to profit so quickly that, I mean, I used to work until two in the morning. Um, and so I just, I'm a real workhorse. Yeah. That's a, both an, both a feature awesome. and a benefit and a bug. <laughs> um, at this point in my life, I'm trying not to be, but, um, but it, it paid off. So you know, it was super scary. And, um, I would say hiring people that I had, I hired a team and they were with me, you know, for those first set of conversations, I took my little laptop and I went to everybody's house and I said, I'm going out on my own. Will you go with me? And every one of them said, yes, every single right. one, you know, and everyone that said yes, gave me more confidence for the next one. Mm -hmm. And at this point, at this point, I remember going out on my first quote unquote sales call. I was being a mortgage loan officer at that time. And I actually called my sales manager from my car in the parking lot. And I said, Patrick, tell me again, why would this person do business with me? Like I couldn't even think of a reason. Right. And now where I'm at now, when we meet with someone and if they say no, I'm legitimately like, do you have bananas in your ears? Like what is wrong with you? <laughs> So had you already gotten your financial situation straightened out before you went out on your own? I no, I had gotten the mess unmade and everything was organized and I was on my way up. 
Okay. Um, but my, my husband, um, and actually I don't mind sharing this because most everyone needs some capital to start up a business, but my husband allowed me to not pay myself from my business for, I think it was 24 months or something like that. So I wasn't paying myself at all. So that was my, my business startup capital. And so gotcha. you know, many your thanks runway. to him. Yeah. Your, your runway. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. That's awesome. Well, and that's uh, important for people to know that it's not just, oh, I'm going to start this company and it's going to be great from the get-go. I mean, yeah. it's a growth thing and people, you know, I think there's so many people that think it's just going to be overnight success and very few, uh, I don't, I mean, I'm thinking of, I have, I have lots of entrepreneur, entrepreneur friends and I don't know of any of them that it was an overnight success. Yeah, it's a bumpy ride and you definitely need, and a lot of people do it either on credit cards or using their 401k, you know, they start their business and, you know, it's not ideal, Right. but not everybody has a supportive husband who makes enough money, you know, or wife. (laughs) Yes, Yes, exactly. Well, um, I I love that. Um, And how I know that you uh, focus a lot on helping women. How has that, like, do you work with men and women? And I guess, how can you see like the money mindsets kind of differ? Or like, do you see, I guess, differences between how women manage their money in regards to men? massive. So I speak a lot to women and then we take everyone who comes. So 35% of my clients are men. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and they're just men who aren't afraid of that conversation. Like they're not bothered by the fact that I often speak to women. And, um, I would say, you know, just generally speaking, uh, just to give you a sense you know, two weeks ago, a, a friend came and hired me and it, he had uh, inherited some money. And this, this person has been amiable and amicable to me. And then the minute we signed the contract, he became confrontational and challenging and mistrustful. And I thought, oh, this is his stick. This is his business space. Right. And he doesn't realize how stark it shows up, how weird it shows up, given I've known them for a long time. Right. Versus women who typically need a lot more, um, you know, encouragement. They need a lot more information. They tend to they tend to be on the timid side. And I've definitely met women who were aggressive when it it comes to their money. So there's always exceptions. Um, But and, and it's pretty rare that I meet a man who expresses or is honest about his money timidity. Is that a word? Timidity? Timidness? Uh, so yeah, there, there definitely are gender differences. And like I said, there's always exceptions to the rule. Um, but I find that when I, 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 you know, all of my, my conversation about money is very, very based in those traditional feminine traits. And what happens is that people come to me and they expect that dynamic and we build rapport and productive conversation and trust. And there's even love in the client relationship. And Mm -hmm. that's weird to say in a business, but it's true. You know, we're, we're like, we're tight. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's just, it's a, I'm proud that it's turned out that way. I couldn't have designed, I wouldn't have known that it would go that way, but I'm really grateful. And it's just, it's a dynamic that I really revel in. Does that answer your question? Yes, definitely. But I think it's, it's only natural. I mean, just to see your mission and your values in your business to have that kind of love for your clients. Cause you want to see them successful. Like it, that's, I think that's just, 
I don't know. It's a very natural occurrence. I mean, I, that, I see that a lot in my business too. Like I don't do this for photos. I do this for the relationship and, you know, to see how happy they get and all that. So I feel like I'm seeing that a lot in a lot of consumer-based and service-based businesses is that more of a relational aspect with their clients. Um, and I, th- I think it makes both parties, obviously a much more enjoyable process, but also just allows for the consumer to feel like the investment has been, you know, even more so than they expected, I guess, if that makes sense. It's like the new wave of business. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, we're just doing business the way we live our lives. And it doesn't have to be cutthroat. It doesn't have to be like sharks in the water. You know, we're just not doing it that way. Yeah. I love that. Especially because that's what you're trying to teach your clients is Mm -hmm. there's enough for everyone. It's not limited and there's plenty for everyone. So you, if you're, you know, if, if it's cutthroat, then that doesn't feel plentiful. Not at all. <laughs> like that doesn't feel like it fits. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Exactly. <laughs> well, we could talk to you for hours more, but we respect your time. So <laughs> yes, uh-huh. thank you so much for all of the amazing insight that you've given and for everything. Your story is inspiring and I know it'll inspire our listeners as well. Definitely. Thank you for having me. So we always like to end every episode with two questions. The first question being, what is your definition of success? For me, success is the ability to offer your life, to say, this is how I'm going to live and to have that be. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Love that. So simple and yet so profound. I mean, a lot goes into it. <laughs> it does, but that is a beautiful way to sum it up. I love that so much. Uh, and then also we always ask, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about the word money? Okay. So freedom, well-being, and confidence. Ooh, we get freedom a lot, but well-being and confidence, I think those are both first-timers, and I love both Mm -hmm. of those so much. right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, because well-being. When I look back on my money journey, that's the thing I have now most that I didn't have back then. Mm -hmm. The starkness of it is very clear to me. Yeah. yeah. And that's such a good way to, to figure that out and to come about that. So I love that we ask both of these questions because I think it gives our listeners something to grasp onto. So it's like for this definition of success, if that speaks to them, or if it's mm-hmm. that word that can inspire them, I'm, I'm, we're big on words and big yeah. on uh, <laughs> things that, can, you know, it's like, what's going to connect somebody yeah mm-hmm. yeah we're sisters on that for sure uh, yeah I mean this is like you you fit into everything we think and believe just beautifully you yeah. just have the expert financial part of it to offer <laughs> so thank you for sharing that with our listeners so much yes, yes. and where can everyone find you Okay. So uh, again, if you have room in your podcast lineup, check me out at Profit yes. Boss Radio. Also on Instagram at Hillary.Hendershot and Hillary has one L and Hendershot is phonetic and it has two T's. And you know, if you're a Facebook gal, you can add me on Facebook. I do a lot of stuff on my personal page there too. You just search for my name. Awesome. Oh, cool. And do you want to share a little bit about your launch that you have later in August? 
Yeah, if you connect and, you know, you can get on the mailing list at hillaryhendershot.com and we will let you know the next time I'm launching the Money Blueprint coaching course will be in August of 2021. And it's an amazing six to 12 month transformational experience. We give you your own cash flow coach and organize your money for you. So it's all done for you and you get one-on-one coaching with me and a community. It's awesome. Incredible. Sounds amazing. Yes. Thanks. We're very excited. And thank you again for everything and for being amazing. <laughs> yes. Thank you for coming on and sharing with all of our listeners, all of your great advice. We really appreciate it. You guys are great interviewers. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. The Money Made Easy podcast is here to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Have any questions? Email or DM us on Instagram. Remember, you start by starting. Take one small and actionable step towards your financial goals today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And we'll see you next Money Monday.